Uh, I'm going to look at the life of Abraham in just a few moments. I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture. Uh, Romans chapter 4 and Hebrews 11. Romans 4 and Hebrews 11. So find your place. And we're going to do some reading from both of those passages. And while you're turning there, we're in the middle of a series called Fear Not. Everyone say Fear Not. Fear Not. And then the subtitle is Learning to Walk by Faith. And not by sight. How many of you know that's one of life's biggest lessons that you and I have to learn is, is the fine art, if you will, by the power and the presence of Almighty God of learning to walk by faith and not by sight. That's what we saw Abraham doing just a few moments ago by way of that wonderful video clip from the Bible. How many of you saw the Bible? You watched that? It was awesome. Encourage you to, uh, if you didn't, to go back and, and uh, just, uh, hey, it gives you a great overview uh, from the, uh, vi- by way of video of the entire Bible. So our keynote verse for this series is 2 Corinthians 5, 7, and I'm encouraging everybody to memorize this. It's real simple. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Tell somebody that. Tell somebody we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Now, don't look, you know, where is it from? 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Uh, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Just say it again without looking at the screen. For we walk by faith and not by sight. What a great life lesson. And when we begin to do that, fear goes out the window. That's why we're saying fear not, learning to walk by faith and not by sight. You know, over the past, I think this is the fifth, maybe the fourth Sunday that we've been on this uh, 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 series. I gave you a Pastor Sam's definition of fear. It's nothing more than a natural reaction to a distorted perspective of a temporary circumstance. Think about that for a moment. Uh, what does the devil do? He tries to come and give you a distorted perspective about something uh, that that is that is really only temporary. And I don't want to be, uh, demean maybe the circumstances of your life, but how many of you know when you think of your life and what you're going through in in uh, reference to eternity, uh, it's just temporary. And we looked at Second Corinthians. Uh, chapter 4 where it says these momentary light afflictions they're just a moment they're only temporary tell somebody they're only temporary and so when we learn to walk by faith uh, we learn not to allow these temporary circumstances to be distorted you see sometimes we look at things and they think you think how on earth could we ever get out of that and you get a distorted perspective and 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 it just drags you down When you begin to walk by faith and not by sight, those things begin to change. And everybody said, amen. Now, today being Father's Day, I want to talk to you. uh, The topic today is called fearless fatherhood. Now, with that being said, everyone here this morning will find something to glean from this message. And so I don't want you to check out. If you're not a father, uh, don't check out. In fact, if you're a young man and you've not yet become a father, uh, you really need to check in here and really learn some important insight about what Abraham had in his life that, re- that allowed him, if you will, to be considered uh, by God and now by us as the father uh, uh, of our faith, the father of many nations, and so on and so forth, as you 
uh, heard in the video just a few moments ago. So with that being said, I, wanna, I want you to look in Romans chapter 4. I'm just going to read some passages concerning Abraham and his faith. In fact, let me say to you that Romans 3, 4, and 5 are gre- is a great study. Really, you know, the whole Bible is a great study, of course. But Romans 3, 4, and 5 talk a whole lot about the fact that we've been justified by faith. Uh, and uh, in fact, chapter 3, uh, verse 24, we, we've been justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus. It's just a phenomenal uh, uh, group of uh, verses here. But then chapter 4, really by and large, uh, is, is reference to Abraham, the father of our faith. In fact, uh, it says in verse 1, What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and what? It was accounted to him for what? Righteousness. Now look in verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world, speaking of Abraham, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Everyone say the righteousness of faith. You see, faith will make you righteous. And, and when you begin to live by faith, in fact, if you slipped over to Romans 5 verse 1, it says we're justified by faith. We're declared righteous. We're just as if I'd never sinned because of our faith in Him. In fact, we know that that faith that God gives us is not of ourselves, Ephesians says. It's a gift of God. Not by works lest any man should boast. And so, verse 17 says this in chapter, uh, in chapter 4. Look down there in ver- well, verse 13 and then go down to 17. For as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now, here's a testimony of Abraham, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver in the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And look, verse 21, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, what God had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. And everyone said, Amen. Now hold your place there because we'll come back and look over in Hebrews chapter 11 because we know Hebrews is the, is the what chapter? It's the, it's the faith chapter. And look in verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed. When he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance, he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promises in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now look over in verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, and we saw this by way of video just a few moments ago, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concluding that God, everyone say concluding. 
concluding, or uh, I think King James may say, according or accounting, that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. And everyone said, Amen. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. May it bring forth much fruit in our lives today as we learn uh, from the life of Abraham, the father of our faith, how we as men and women of God, and especially as fathers today, can live a life of fearless leadership in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. This morning, very simply, I want to give you, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you four vital ingredients of from Abraham's life in these two passages that will build within us a fearless uh, leadership capacity and for our fathers today, uh, a fearless fatherhood. Uh, And the first one is simply this, guys, some vital ingredients uh, for fearless fatherhood. Let me just stop before I share with this with you. How many of you know, if you miss necessary ingredients, things don't work out? Let me say, fathers, I'm going to give you these four things. And listen, they all have to do with you. They're not about having a date night or a fun night with the family. (laughs) These are personal, life-changing truths that if you'll apply them in your life, things will begin to go well for you and you will become a fearless father. Here's the first one, guys. Get this down. Fearless fatherhood requires faith-filled obedience. Everyone say faith-filled obedience. What is the first thing we see in Hebrews 11 about Abraham? The, the testimony of his life here in this, uh, the, this chapter that has to do with faith. It says in verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed. Now, hey, digest that with me for a moment. How many of you know obedience requires a faith and a confidence in the one you're obeying? You see, disobedience many times among, uh, uh, among adults, uh, you know, it's not just rebellion. It's because of a lack of faith or confidence in, in, in someone's leadership. But understand something, men of God. Understand something, family of God, that if we're going to live a fearless life and walk by faith and not by sight, we've got we've to build within ourselves a confidence in God that we obey Him in whatever He says for us to do. You see, I find a lot of people have selective obedience when it comes to the Word of God. They, they want to obey Him in this area, but not in that area. And they think that God's so merciful and gracious, and He is, that, that you can get kind of a, 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 a you know, a get out of jail free card and kind of move right straight to home and without really living a life of obedience. But fathers, listen to me today. God is looking for young men and women and even old men and old women and, and especially fathers today who will establish within their hearts a, a, a fearless, faith-filled obedience to the things of God. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. You see, a- Abraham didn't know the end from the beginning. He just had a confidence in the promises of God. He had a faith in the, par- in the promise that God was going to lead him into a place and was going to bless him and bless his family and even though he didn't know his new address he got up and began to leave and move forward and obey God and follow through with the word and the will of God you see a lot of people are waiting for everything to line up before you obey God but listen to me people who walk by faith and not by sight they're willing to take a step before they know where that step is leading them amen everyone say Faith-filled obedience. 
Fathers, listen carefully. It's, it's, it's a new day of obedience to the word and the will of God. Contrary to what may be going on in the world around us, it's time to tighten the ship, if you will. It's time to batten down the hatches. It's time to set our course on the will of God and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to obey God all the days of my life. I'm going to serve Him all the days of my life. That's a cornerstone, guys, of fearless fatherhood. A father who says, I will obey His word, whatever the price. Another key Requirement we learn from the life of Abraham from these two passages and even from this Hebrews 11 passage is not only uh, faith-filled obedience, but Abraham throughout his life had a faith-filled continuance. He would just keep on keeping on. He did not quit. In fact, did you know from the first, from the time he got the promise of God for, for Isaac to be born, uh, between the promise and Isaac's birth was some, some, uh, uh, Bible scholars say 24 years between the amen and the there it is. You see, most of us, when we get a promise from God or we get a word from God, we expect it because this is the culture we live in. We expect everything right now. How many of you know God has timing and place for his purpose and plan to be revealed? And we see through the life of Abraham that time did not affect his capacity to continue. In fact, it says here in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise for he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God you see Abraham had an eternal perspective that allowed him to keep on keeping on because he knew that the ultimate end of of, of the story was not there in in the the deserts of of Israel but in the palaces of heaven and he had the capacity to continue we need fathers today who will not only obey God, but they'll continue obeying God. That tomorrow, that their family has a confidence that, hey, regardless of what comes, the trials or the tribulations or the 9-11s of life, that, that there'll be a father who sticks by his spiritual guns, if you will, who stays the course and does not divert and does not falter in the purpose of God like Abraham. It says he did not waver in the promises of God. You see, fearless fatherhood requires faith-filled obedience. Fearless fatherhood requires faith-filled continuance. I'm not going to doubt him. I'm going to keep on keeping on. At number three, we see in the life of Abraham, the father of our faith and the father of, 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 of many nations, he, was, he also had fearless, uh, faith-filled reliance upon God. He was totally reliant Upon God. In fact, we see this in Hebrews 11, verse 17. It says, When he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, which by the way is a type of Christ. The video presentation and, and, and this illustration of Abraham and Isaac is a picture and a type of Christ being offered up uh, by faith. Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Now that's the promise. He had a promise from God about Isaac. And so he came to some conclusions when God, listen, God never contradicts himself. Tell somebody next to you, God never contradicts himself. I didn't hear anybody saying it. I trust you. Let's say a little louder. Like we, but God never contradicts himself. 
Now, from the, if you looked at this directive that God gave Abraham concerning Isaac, you would think God was contradicting himself. Now, wait, Isaac, number one, is the, is the, the promised son from his seed. All the nations of the world will be blessed. And then, Abraham, take your, your only son and take him up on the mountain and offer him as a sacrifice. That seems like a contradiction, right? But when you know God never contradicts himself, then you know something else is up. You can come to some different, more dynamic conclusions, which Abraham did here. And what does it say? Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. So we see that Abraham did not trust what he saw with his natural eyes or what he would tend to conclude with his natural thoughts and, 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 and reasonings. He trusted God regardless of the circumstance. And he said, well, God never contradicts himself. I've got the promise of God through Isaac. All, this, all, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And God says to offer him up as a sacrifice. Well, therefore, God can't contradict himself. So therefore, he's got to raise him from the dead. Are you with me? And so he totally relied on the word and the promise of God for his life. He did not waver, the Bible says. And so, hey, let me show you a passage of Scripture that, hey, we can personally apply. You probably read it. You probably know it. But, hey, Proverbs chapter 3. Slip over there real quick. Let me just read this to you because this certainly says it all. It's, and, and this is the way it was with Abraham. Chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. You see, that's what Abraham refused to do there on the mountain. He refused to lean on his own understanding. He chose to rely upon the promises of God. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Amen. So fearless fatherhood, guys, let's back up. Let's go through it again. Vital ingredients to being a faith-filled, fearless father who walks by faith and not by sight. He, he has a faith-filled obedience to the word and the will of God over his life. Stepping out, if you will, on the waters. Just w but without knowing what the future holds, you have confidence in who is leading you so you obey him. And number two, a faith-filled continuance to continue in the promises of God regardless of what you see with your natural eye. And then number three, it's a faith-filled reliance. I'm just relying totally upon him. Not my own, my, my own understanding, not my own way of thinking. I'm relying upon him and his will and plan for my life. And then number four, Abraham not only had a faith-filled reliance, but he had a faith-filled reverence. In fact, Romans chapter 4, if you were to go back there, what does it say? I love this passage. It says this uh, in verse 20 and 21 and 22 it's, and, and on down through there. It says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. Somebody say strengthened in faith. <clears throat> How was he strengthened in faith? Well, I think this is a little hint. Giving glory to God. Everyone say, strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. In other words, Abraham was always paying it back. 
He was always giving God the glory and always giving God the credit. He was strengthened, in fact, in, in faith by, by giving reverence and honor and, and respect and worship and adoration to God Almighty. And understand something, fathers, that's where we must uh, uh, step up to the plate and begin to, in front of family and friends and even our foes, give all the credit and all the glory and all the honor to the Lord God Almighty who has brought us to this place, who has not left us or forsaken us, who, who has kept us in the hollow of His hand. Understand, men of God, God's looking for some fearless fathers today who will obey Him, who will continue in Him, who will rely upon Him, and will reverence Him and worship Him without abandon. Somebody say amen. That's just a little bit of insight into the life of Abraham. And then, of course, Paul the Apostle in chapter 5, he brings it to a personal application for all of us And he says, therefore, speaking to us, because of Abraham's example and role model, chapter 4, therefore, having been justified by faith, we, that is us, everybody say we, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In other words, guys, we reverence Him. We worship Him. We rely upon Him. We continue walking in His will and plan. We continue obeying Him. And we trust Him with every area of our lives. Amen. Fearless fathers. Now let me just say, guys, and then I'm going to give you a little word study. Let me address the fathers. These four things have to do with relationship with the Father. With God, our Heavenly Father. Did you know all that God ever really wanted to be was a father? And if you want to be a great father, listen, guys. If you want to be a father that makes an eternal difference, not only in your family, but in everywhere you go... Embrace these four personal faith-filled tenets. Have a faith-filled obedience to the call of God. Have a faith-filled continuance in your heart. I'm not quitting. I'm not backing up. Have a faith-filled reliance upon Him in every area of your life. Trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him. Have a faith-filled reverence where in your family He is glorified. Amen. Now, a little interesting insight for all of us. I want to show you a, a, a word. Hebrews chapter 11. Go back. Hold, we're, we're back and forth. Hebrews 11. I want to show you this word in verse 19. It says this. What does it say? What did, Isaac, what did Abraham do after when he was tested? He concluded. Everyone say he concluded. He concluded, he made some conclusions. Now, guys, this kind of lines up with our nature. Now, let me just pause a minute and talk to, to and, and this may or may not be your, but I'm kind of a facts guy. I, I don't, I don't want to beat around the bush. Just give me the facts and let me make some decisions. Are you with me? How many of you guys, you're just kind of fact. You just give me all the facts. Let's get this figured out and let's get it done. We're facts and figures guys. We, we're, we're kind of math. We may be lousy mathematicians, but in a, from, from a lifestyle, we're mathematicians. We, well, if this is this, that is that, well, then this has got to be that. So therefore, here we go. That's just me. And it kind of is the way a lot of guys, but that's what Abraham did about God. When he was tested, and as I've already explained, 
he made some conclusions based upon his understanding of God. He added up some facts. In fact, the definition really means to add up the facts and began to respond or act accordingly. You see, I don't remember. Was it dragnet? Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. I don't know what you think. I don't know what you feel. I just need the facts. Everybody say, just the facts, ma'am. And that's the way Abraham did. He didn't look from the natural. He didn't, he wasn't thinking necessarily from, from, from the natural plane. He was building an assessment and coming to some conclusions based upon all the things he added up about God in his life. And about the promises of God. In fact, this word is used in Romans chapter 6. One of the more well-known places, Romans 6, 11. It's translated a different way. It says, reckon yourselves dead indeed unto sin. Now, that doesn't mean Paul was a Texan where he said, I reckon. That's not really what he was. I reckon this, I reckon that. No, that word reckon is the same word as that we see here in Hebrews where, uh, where it says concluding that God... Add up the facts of what God's Word says and what God has done, and then act or respond accordingly. Reckon yourselves, all these things about God. He died for me. He, he was buried in a barred tomb. He rose again the third day. He died for me so I could have newness of life. I add all that up, and guess what? I'm, my old man is dead. Hallelujah. I'm dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Christ Jesus. And so Abraham was a mathematician. He concluded some things as he added up these facts about God. Now, go back to Romans chapter 4. Let me show you what God did for Abraham. Bless you. Verse 20 Again, he did not waver at the promise of God, speaking of Abraham through unbelief, was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced, everyone say fully convinced, that what he or God had promised, he was able to perform, and therefore, here we go, it was accounted, there's that math word again, there's that reckon word, there's that concluding word, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Did you get that? Here's, here's the way it works. When we add up the facts about God and begin to respond accordingly, God will begin to add up some facts about us and respond accordingly to us. And when we begin to trust Him, how are we justified? How do we walk? We walk by what? And not by... When we begin to walk by faith and not by sight, God, and we don't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, God begins to add up some things. Oh, I got something here. I can see it working in this person's life. And he begins to release his blessings in our life because we respond to his word and will for our life. We add up facts about him and begin to walk by faith and not by sight. He starts seeing that and adding up some facts about us and starts pouring out his righteousness and his blessing and his favor in our life. Amen. Now, let me say it this way. This is for all of us. If you will begin to add up the facts about your heavenly father and begin to respond to your conclusions... Just like Abraham did, your heavenly father will begin to do the same for you. He will begin to add up the facts about you just like he did with Abraham and come to some positive conclusions concerning you. How many of you like God to look down and say, Woo, I see some facts about this person's life. 
I see some reality about this young man's life. This man's life. He's got a faith-filled obedience. He's got a faith-filled continuance. He's got a faith-filled reliance. He's got a faith-filled reverence for God. I can trust Him. And I can bless Him. And I can move Him in to the promises of God. How many of you want God to be able to trust you? You know how you can get God to trust you? Trust Him. That's what all that word study is about. If you need God to... Hey, you got to trust Him. And so today, God's looking to us. He's looking for someone who will walk by faith and not by sight. And to do that, listen, walking by faith and not by sight requires some, some calculations and some predetermined knowledge and understanding on your part. When you begin to add up the facts, he never contradicts himself. The promises of God are yes and amen. He will never leave me or forsake me. Come on now. And then we begin to walk by what we believe. Like Abraham, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God today for all of us and especially our fathers. My prayer is that you'll be strengthened in faith and give glory to God. Fathers, listen, your conclusions about your heavenly father will determine how you live your life as a father on planet earth. If you come to some real positive, faith-filled conclusions about God, guess what? You'll begin to receive and understand and begin to exhibit what a real father should be. You'll be in right relationship with your heavenly father. So our father, for fathers today, I challenge you to look on the inside. I challenge you to begin to make some declarations and come to some conclusions And as we'll see in just a moment, begin to build some resolutions in your life about who you are and what God has called you to do. With that being said, I want to dim the lights and show you the last clip of the movie Courageous. And just allow this last moment of this service today before we pray for our fathers to really challenge us all to take our place in walking by faith and not by sight. Oh, here we go. Let me give you. I'm going to try to give, before we do that, uh, I'm going to try to give us every week something you can tweet. All right? You can tweet this. Put it up there. The conclusions you come to about your heavenly Father determine the conclusions He comes to about you. The conclusions you come to about your heavenly Father determine the conclusions He comes to about you. If you conclude that He's untrustworthy... He will conclude that you are as well. But if you conclude that you can trust Him in every area of your life, guess what He'll begin to do with you? He can begin to trust you. Amen. So with that in mind, here we go. I now believe that God desires for every father to courageously step up and do whatever it takes to be involved in the lives of His children. But more than just being there, providing for them, He's to walk with them through their young lives and be a visual representation of the character of God, their Father in heaven. The Father should love His children 
and seek to win their hearts. He should protect them, discipline them, and teach them about God. He should model how to walk with integrity and treat others with respect. And should call out his children to become responsible men and women who live their lives for what matters in eternity. Some men will hear this and mock it or ignore it. But I tell you that as a father, you are accountable to God for the position of influence he has given you. You can't fall asleep at the wheel only to wake up one day and realize that your job or your hobbies have no eternal value, but the souls of your children do. Some men will hear this and agree with it, but have no resolve to live it out. Instead, they will live for themselves and waste the opportunity to leave a godly legacy for the next generation. But there are some men who regardless of the mistakes we've made in the past, regardless of what our fathers did not do for us, will give the strength of our arms and the rest of our days to loving God with all that we are and to teach our children to do the same. And whenever possible, to love and mentor others who have no father in their lives, but who desperately need help and direction. And we are inviting any man whose heart is willing and courageous to join us in this resolution. In my home, the decision has already been made. You don't have to ask who will guide my family, because by God's grace, I will. You don't have to ask who will teach my son to follow Christ, because I will. Who will accept the responsibility of providing and protecting my family? I will. Who will ask God to break the chain of destructive patterns in my family's history? I will. Who will pray for and bless my children to boldly pursue whatever God calls them to do? I am their father. I will. I accept this responsibility and it is my privilege to embrace it. I want the favor of God and his blessing on my home. Any good man does. So where are you men of courage? Where are you fathers who fear the Lord? It's time to rise up and answer the call that God has given to you. And to say, I will. I will. I will. I'm going to ask all the fathers to come join me in the altar this morning. Let's all stand together as we honor our fathers today. Let's gather up here, guys. Amen. Kelly, you're a father. You come on down. We don't need your music right now. Amen. Huddle up, guys. I want to give each man one of these. I want you to take it and begin to look it over even right now. The father's here. Who's the father who's been a father less than a year? Any fathers here less than a year? Any? Two years? Less than two years? Three years? Oh, Josh is less than two years. Josh, are you the youngest father in the bunch? Now, who's been a father over 50 years? I'll get a couple more. 
Who's been a father over 50 years? 40 years? You've been a father over 50 years? There you go. Who else? Everybody get one? There you go, Kelly. Amen. You got one? Guys, let's read this together out loud. And now, before we read it out loud, at the bottom you see a place you sign it. That's between you and God. There's a place for witnesses. And that'd be a good place for your wife to sign. Or your son or your daughter. Woo! <laughs> Let's read it together out loud. The resolution. I do solemnly resolve before God to take full responsibility for myself, my wife, and my children. I will love them, protect them, serve them, and teach them the word of God as the spiritual leader of my home. I will be faithful to my wife to love and honor her and be willing to lay down my life for her as Jesus did for me. I will be blessed and teach them to love God with all their hearts, all their minds, and all their strength. I will train them to honor authority and live responsibly. I will confront evil, pursue justice, and love mercy. I will pray for others and treat them with kindness, respect, and compassion. I will work diligently to provide for the needs of my family. I will forgive those who have wronged me and reconcile with those I have wronged. I will learn from my mistakes, repent of my sins, and walk with integrity as a man answerable to God. I will seek to honor God, be faithful to His church, obey His word, and do His will. I will courageously work with the strength God provides to fulfill this resolution for the rest of my life and for His glory. And Joshua twenty four fifteen says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. So guys, take this. Amen. God bless you guys. Now I want everyone to lift your hands towards these men.